BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Icing and Glitter, which is a blog, Instagram page, and YouTube channel. Since the last few episodes have been super skincare heavy, today's episode is focused on wellness with the amazing Joy McCarthy, founder of the blog and brand Joyful Health. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to tell you about my trick for eliminating bloat after an indulgent meal. So bloat is my absolute worst nightmare and I have zero patience for it. So now if I ever feel bloated, I take Array's bloat alchemy capsules, which are a hundred percent natural blend of herbs, which work to eliminate any trace of food babies. So here's the trick. Okay. It's all about dosing. So if I'm a little uncomfortable after having ice cream, I'll have two capsules. If I'm having to unbutton my jeans after pizza and pasta on date night, I'll have three. And if I feel like I'm slipping into a food coma, I'll have four. Array is offering listeners of the Dream Bigger podcast free shipping. Just use the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout. Now, let's talk about today's guest. Joy McCarthy is a holistic nutritionist, best-selling author, entrepreneur, and founder of the wildly popular wellness blog, Joyous Health. Here, she shares wellness tips and recipes, all of which are packed with nutrition and totally drool-worthy. She's also gone on to release a line of clean beauty products, and I can tell you that the dry shampoo is, in particular is major. Today's episode is a deep dive into all things nutrition and wellness with tons of actionable takeaways. And with that, let's welcome Joy to the Dream Bigger podcast. Okay, Joy, so let's start from the very beginning. Um, before the blog, before you even became a holistic nutritionist, what were you doing and what made you decide to become a holistic nutritionist? So the first um, seven years of my career, I was actually in marketing and advertising. Okay, well, and it comes in handy now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And my clients were like pop and chip companies like Frito-Lay wow. and PepsiCo. I did have some better brands like Dove, but still, even now that I'm a holistic nutritionist, I know that there's a lot of those companies that put bad ingredients in their products. So I felt like I was a walking contradiction because I've been, I feel like I've been a student of nutrition my whole life. I've always been into fitness and into wellness and into natural health. So when I had this job, I just felt it was not serving a purpose it was not feeding my soul so i decided to um, become a personal trainer because i was always into fitness and i went and got my certification and i started basically moonlighting 
Uh, and I was personal training as well as I was working in like corporate world. And then eventually I was like, okay, I've had it. I, uh, I really like nutrition is my passion. Mm -hmm. I love food. Um, I'm going to go back to school. So I went back to school and I continued to personal train while I was in school studying nutrition, um, just so I could basically pay the bills. But during that time I had like a lot of health issues that I've talked about on my blog, um, and in my books as well with hormonal imbalance. And during that time I was able to completely, I hate using the word cure, but that's what I did. I balanced my hormones, um, because I was losing my hair. I had a lot of eczema. I had major digestive problems. I would go six months and not even have a period. And this was one of the reasons that inspired me to go back to school because before I went to study, um, holistic nutrition I actually did heal my body so then I was like wow if I'm able to do this myself just from doing my own personal research I need to go back to school so I can learn more about this and I can potentially help more people honestly I'm so glad you bring this whole story up because even like we were talking a little bit before we started the interview but like I had rosacea and I cured it as well and it was just through like lifestyle changes in terms of like food and it's it's crazy I think people don't realize like the effect that nutrition plays in your body like inside out like the correlation between skin gut health all this sort of thing so I'm glad your like platform is there to educate people and that you were able to like have this transformation as well I think it's amazing for sure so at what like what point did were you inspired to start your blog um when I was in school actually when I I think I had about six months to go before I graduated and I just was so passionate and had I was just like bursting with information that I wanted (laughs) to share with the world And at the time, blogging was the way to go. That was like the coolest thing to do. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to just start educating people on all the things I'm learning and doing. And I'm going to start sharing recipes that I know are very healing and hormonally balancing. So it was part of, I just wanted to communicate with the world. And also I really knew that I needed to build awareness for my brand. If I wanted to grow joyous health uh, and make like a business out of it, then I had to start with blogging and essentially what we call now content content marketing. I love it. Um, I had like a similar story as well because I went to fashion school and I wanted to get a job at a magazine. And I remember this was like years ago and my professors at school were like, well, you got to have a blog to show magazines that you are a self-starter. And I was like, okay, like, I guess I'll start a blog to like, you know, show my creativity and just like, then became a full-time job yeah, later on amazing. so it's funny that's great yeah you you don't know what's going to happen when you're in it but you just it's I, true yeah I just knew that I I yeah it was all about building brand awareness and mm-hmm. and in doing so I was doing something I was super passionate about so what year was this like uh 2009 oh man you were an OG yeah <laughs> like you did yeah, before so it was cool a, yeah yeah so um, I started the blog. I feel like I was a bit late to the podcast world because, as you know, we just started our podcast um, earlier this year. Honestly, it's never too late. Yeah, but it's like, oh, my gosh, one more thing because there's so many different things within the business. But like back in those days, I was doing one on one consultations and I was doing a lot of um, like corporate lunch and learns. 
I do like a lot of wellness talks. So that was basically how I was paying the bills. And then the business evolved to, you know, grow products and create eBooks and all the different services that we have now. Amazing. So how long after starting your blog, did you release your book? And like, yeah. how did that process even come along? Yeah, so my first cookbook came out um, 2014, which is Joyous Health. And that book, I started talking to a publisher probably about two years prior. And how it worked for me was they actually reached out to me. Um, I was actually in the process. I had just finished writing an e-book called, e-book called Eat Well, Feel Well, and I was actually about to release it. And uh, the publisher reached out, an editor, and she was like, hey, do you want to meet up? Have you ever thought of writing a book? Um, I found you because I my niece reads your blog. She told me about you. Um, I've seen you like on social media. And I'd like to meet with you. So I met with her. I told her I was about to release this ebook. She's like, don't release it. Send it to me. So I sent it to her. And it was probably only 50 or 60 pages. She's like, you need to turn this into a book. This is really great. A cookbook. I was like, okay. Um, so for me, um, you know, I wouldn't say it was luck that it happened that way. If I didn't have my blog and I didn't have a social media presence that I was working on every day, I was working on growing my business every single damn day. If I had not been doing that, I would not have had that opportunity because she wouldn't have known about me. So, uh, yeah, that's basically how my first cookbook came about. That's was, amazing. Yeah, I just expanded on a, an ebook that I had written. Um, and yeah, and then I had my second book and then my third cookbook comes out later this year. Wow. You're killing it. I mean, you're just doing all the things. (laughs) Yeah. It's lots of fun, but you know what? There's been, it's been like 10 years, right? So I feel like it's been, you know, there's been lots of ups and downs along the way, figuring things out, figuring out what works, what doesn't, and just like hard work. Absolutely. Like the first few years of my business, I was working seven days a week. There's lots of times I was working at 11 p.m. at night and I don't do that now. Like there's times when it's busy in the business and I'm definitely working really hard, but I definitely have a lot more more balance because now, you know, I have a child and I have other priorities. Right. Well, I mean, I feel like when you're starting out a business, you just have to hustle so yeah, much harder really and there's you just, do. there's like no sense of balance at that point. No. And like, it's, I mean, it's nice that like when a business develops, you do get a chance to gain that, um, like balance, I guess. Yeah. But then the you have another big project. Oh, you absolutely. Get, Cause I feel like throughout the years of my business, I feel like it's sometimes it's really crazy and sometimes it's not, but I definitely like, I don't do one-on-ones anymore. I stopped doing that at the end of 2016 because I wanted my evenings and my weekends back. So that gave me more balance, but I feel like I've never accomplished anything great without working really, really hard. Um, and like you said, hustling, like there's, there's been times where I'm not, I, I haven't accomplished great things when I have been completely in balance. I have to be honest. I have to be honest. Like yeah, of course. I've been out of balance when I've like to get a book written or to get a new, um, uh, product out. A hundred percent. Yeah. It requires just a lot of work and attention. And then, and then we get a bit of a break. Like we just came back from a long break, which was awesome. Yeah. She was telling me she went to Vienna or like yeah. not Vienna, Austria. Yeah, we and it was amazing. Well. Oh my yeah. gosh. So cool. Yeah. So we touched on hormones a little bit. Um, since like you, you like th- that was, I guess like you were beginnings yeah. into this world. So, What are some of your best tips for balancing hormones for someone who might be having issues? Well, first, you got to look at your diet and the potential foods that are increasing inflammation, which is potentially causing hormonal imbalance. So the first food I would say you need to cut out or at least take a break from is sugar. 
Sugar is the worst. We all know, you know, when we have a sugar hangover, either from drinking too much or just eating too much sugar, we notice it immediately on our skin and how our digestive system feels. And this absolutely impacts our hormones. So I would say first and foremost, um, taking a good break from sugar. And when I say sugar, I'm talking about refined sugars. I'm not talking about drizzling some honey on your granola or, you know, baking with some maple syrup, those kinds of natural sweeteners in moderation. So sugar is really key. So doing a detox and it's not like having a little bit of sugar here and there, like you have to cut it out. And I recommend for, you know, at least a month and you'll notice a huge difference. And then, um, you know, it's not so much about what you take out. So yes, it's good to take out sugar, taking a break from dairy, taking a break from gluten. We know that dairy is implicated with increasing certain hormones that cause acne, for example. So dairy, gluten, sugar, those I'd say are the three big ones to take a break from. And for people listening, if that seems really overwhelming, you're like, what? This chick is crazy. Then just start with one of those. Just start with sugar and then, you know, after you're noticing a difference, even after a week or two weeks, then try something else. And then also it's all about what you add in. So I don't like to take everything away from people without saying you're going to eat all this other amazing food. So plants, eating more plant foods, it's really simple. Eat a plant-based diet. No, you don't have to become vegan. You don't have to be vegetarian. You just need to eat more plants. And what I recommend to people is fill half of your plate with plant foods at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This will help your body better detox, which will help your liver function better and help your body eliminate excess estrogens. Because when you are pooping better, when you have better digestion, this is one of the mechanisms how you get rid of excess estrogen. So if you have really bad PMS, I see this with a lot of young women, they um, almost always, I see PMS and constipation together. So you get people pooping more and you notice that the PMS goes down because their hormones are better balanced. So within the plant world, there's definitely foods that are are good um, for hormonal imbalance like cruciferous vegetables, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, um, kale. Now, if someone listening to this is like, oh my God, I'm going to be so bloated, <laughs> then eat those foods cooked because then they're, they're, they're less bloating and just drink water. People got to drink more water. Um, one of the best ways to have beautiful skin. It's true. As I sip water. Yeah. Um, honestly, I hope everyone took notes because I'm like taking mental <laughs> notes right now. Like such good tips. Um, honestly, the thing about adding greens, I, I love that you talk about that because it's true. Like I think if you add more of the good, you yeah. like crowd out yes, the bad, you 100%. know? Exactly. So I, and it's a good tip. Like my trainer as well. He's like, you just need to add more greens, like literally as much as you can eat. Yeah. Like I have to and it's like it's the best tip ever yeah. like you make just a yummy salad and yeah, you exactly. don't want the rest of the bad crap you yeah know? I eat probably like two set like last night we had a big huge salad for dinner and we I, I just and the other thing is like when you're eating more plant foods you definitely crave more oh you absolutely definitely, like the healthier you eat it's just like when you start an exercise program you don't want to be going well most people don't want to go to mcdonald's after doing a great workout yeah like you know what i feel so good this is so good for my body my confidence is boosted i feel good i'm gonna do more good for my body and you want to eat better so i feel like exercise and eating well gets you on this upward spiral yes of wanting to continue to do good things for yourself and then eating good fat too that is incredibly important for hormonal balance as well is, you know, making sure that every meal and snack, you also eat good fats because if you just eat a salad and you don't have fat with it, you're not going to be satisfied 
then you're going to be craving more carbs. I love that tip um, because, uh, yeah, like fats keep you full. And I feel yes, like they're just yeah. such an important part of your diet. And I thank totally. God, like the information is finally out there that, you know, fats aren't the enemy. Um, and yeah, like people should yeah. be having fats. They make everything so yummy, like yes, olive agreed. oil and yeah. greens. Oh, so yummy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we touched on sugar a little bit. So first things first, like what, like why refined sugar? Like why is refined sugar particularly so bad for you that like if people don't know? Yeah, good question. Well, refined sugar, um, just think of it. Think of sugar. It's been stripped of all of its nutrition. Not that it's, you know, sugar cane is nutrient dense to begin with, but there's no fiber. There's no vitamins. There's no minerals. There's no essential fatty acids. Sugar is a nutrient dead food. And when you consume refined sugars, and we can even consider things like white pasta, to be something that is a refined carbohydrate. When you consume those types of foods, they take no time to digest because there's no fiber. Fiber slows down the process of digestion. So when you eat a refined sugar, you have a really quick spike in your blood sugar. This causes insulin to release. And then what happens to a lot of people is you have this yo-yoing insulin throughout the day because oftentimes you secrete too much insulin. Your blood sugar drops too low. That's when you crave more sugars again. You feel tired. You feel moody so ultimately what you want to aim for is balanced blood sugar like this all throughout the day you don't want this yo-yoing so when people find like mid-afternoon 3 p.m that's when they're craving caffeine or sugar that's actually just because their blood sugar has dropped Um, so instead of you know reaching for a coffee or crackers or chips it'd be much more balancing if you had you know sliced apple with almond butter have a tea or make like a healthy baked good that you make on, you know, make some energy balls or something, something with fat, protein and carbs. That's very, very balancing. So the other thing to think about is when you're consuming refined foods, refined carbohydrates and sugars, these are calories that are replaced, being replaced. Um, you're not eating something else that's healthy, right? Um, you're getting the majority of your calories from something that's nutrient dead. So what is this offering your body? Absolutely nothing. So every time you eat, you have an opportunity to really nourish your body and your health and your microbiome as well. And sugar is, it, sugar just doesn't offer anything beneficial to the body. And it feeds all the bad bacteria and all the yeast. Um, People who have candida, which is excess yeast, um, know full well what sugar and refined carbs do to their gut. So, so smart. So if someone is trying to wean off sugar because sugar addiction is like a very real thing. Oh, and yeah. I know you've been very vocal about oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I had a total sugar addiction for sure. Totally. I, I yeah. feel it in myself too. Yeah. Like if I've if I've been having sweets, like I'm on vacation yeah. and I've been eating it more and more, I feel it. It's like actually like a drug addiction. Oh, it's 100%. insane. Yeah. So if someone is trying to wean off sugar, what are a couple of your tips? Yeah, so just to get back to your point, though, it is like an addiction because it does actually stimulate the same areas of the brain that like, you know, crack and cocaine do stimulates the release of dopamine. And that is why sugar is so addictive. So I recommend that everyone you have to just do cold turkey. And people who are really, really addicted will go through withdrawal. I'd say the worst that people feel is tired and have a headache, but it really doesn't last that long. I say two, three days max, but I really do think the best thing to do with refined sugars is to go cold turkey because that's the quickest way to realize how good your body can feel without it. Now, it doesn't mean you never eat anything with a sweet taste, but you're, you also have to, your taste buds have to adapt again. 
depending on what kind of sugars you're consuming because sugar is so so sweet right so right now it's like peach season we'll eat some more peaches like have some fruit I mean don't go crazy on it um but I recommend with refined sugars and refined carbohydrates to just go cold turkey it's a smart tip and you can just like replace with like fruits and things yeah, that are good for you. I exactly. mean, like it's, you're getting the added benefit and like you're still enjoying the sweetness. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you should, I really believe like everything you eat should, you should have all of the tastes. Yeah. You know, when I make it like a nice big salad, for example, I'll top up, I'll sorry, chop up some medjool dates and put so that yummy. into, yeah, put that into my salad. And so I'm getting, or raisins or cranberries. So I'm getting that sweet taste because I do like a sweet taste as well. Yeah, it's, it's a it really, really, a really big difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love adding like a little bit of dates sometimes to my salads as well. Yeah. I think it makes a big difference. So tasty. I know. So <laughs> you, you touched a little bit on the microbiome when you were talking. So, and you've talked about it on your blog as well. Yeah. So I wanted to get into that. First of all, what is microbiome health? Yeah. So your microbiome is the trillions of microbes that actually live in you and on your body and you have a large the largest percentage of these creepy crawlies actually live in your large intestine Mm -hmm. and we now know there's emerging research in like basically every body system um out there so um your microbiome that the the microbes that live in your gut can affect your mental health and your mood your immune system your skin health they affect essentially every body system so we want to consider all of the things that we can do to support the health of our microbiome because this is going to support our health. Um, just because there's so many of them, there's way more microbes in this planet than there, there is humans. And they were here way before us and they're going to be here way before we're no longer here anymore. So what are a few things that we can do to support our microbiome health? Yeah. So eating, coming back to similar things we talked about, like eating more plant foods, um, eating foods that microbes really like to eat as well and that really support them and also help them do their job. Like the microbes that live in your, in your gut are really, really help your body break down foods. They help your body better detox. Um, they help to reduce inflammation. So I would suggest first and foremost, if you want to eat a microbiome friendly diet, you absolutely need to be eating plant foods doesn't mean you can't eat animal proteins um that's fine but i would say the bulk of your diet needs to be plant foods because that's what the microbes really thrive upon and within that a lot of the things that we talked about as well like non-starchy vegetables um kale and cabbage and arugula um and berries and pears and apples and avocados and olives these are all really microbe-friendly foods and then you know within that area onions and leeks um, there's certain foods that have prebiotics as well certain plant foods and prebiotics are components of plant foods that actually don't get digested they're not actually for us they're for our microbes they don't get digested by us they get essentially their food for the microbes so there's certain foods now I don't like always like naming I can tell you like foods that um, are higher in prebiotics like onions and unripe bananas and um, Jerusalem artichokes but I don't want people to get so caught up in oh am I eating a prebiotic just eat lots of plant foods and you will eat uh, prebiotic foods but there's now even research um, there's emerging research on like holistic psychiatry and how you know impacting someone's microbiome could potentially impact their levels of anxiety wow. um, and depression there is so much research um, and 
and uh, that's ongoing uh, because it is such a new area. It's only like a few microbiome research is only like a few decades old, uh, but it's really, really fascinating. That's incredible. Wow. Okay. So since we're already on the topic of prebiotics, um, what, what is the difference between a probiotic and a prebiotic and like, why do you need both? Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think a lot of people know about probiotics, but they don't know about the prebiotics. However, the difference is probiotic is the bacteria. They're the good microbes in your gut. And you can also take them as well as a supplement. Whereas prebiotics are just the food for the probiotics. So your microbes are only as healthy as what you feed it. And the good news is it's always changing. Like if you have been eating a lot of processed foods and a lot of sugars, your microbiome will have definitely shifted um, to not be desirable, to be less diverse, to have, um, think of your gut as like a rainforest brimming with like tons of vegetation and, and so many different kinds of plants. When you're eating lots of plant foods, then you have a more diverse microbiome. As soon as you start eating refined foods, processed foods, sugars, the diversity really goes down. Um, so you want to, one, you need one, you need them together. You need to eat prebiotics to feed the probiotics. You can't eat a crappy diet and just take a probiotic and think everything's going to be okay. So smart. (laughs) So how does someone go about finding the right kind of probiotic? Yeah, so it's a bit of a minefield when you go to the health food store and you're, you know, trying to figure out. What I always suggest is um, a lot of times, especially in Toronto, a lot of the health food stores will either have a naturopath or a certified nutritionist on staff. So asking them um, rather than just going in there and like trying to read labels and figure things out. But if you can't find someone, I'm a big fan of multi-strain probiotics. So that means probiotics with more than one strain because let's face it, we have anywhere from 500 to 1,000 different types of microbes um, within our gut and it doesn't really make sense to be taking single strain probiotics like earlier on you know several years ago when probiotics started actually more than several a decade or so ago when probiotics started to hit the market you'd often just see like lactobacillus acidophilus and that's kind of you know that's very abundant in our gut but Again, we have so many different types of microbes, so I like multi-strains. So the one I take is the Genuine Health, and that has 15 uh, different strains in it, which is great. That mimic gut health, a health that, that would mimic what a healthy gut should look like. Yeah, a lot of people that I've spoken to have actually recommended the Genuine Health one, so I'm going to go get it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the best one. That's what, And they have a 15 billion and a 50 billion yeah. as well. Which one do so, you, which one do you have? Like if you've the, never taken a probiotic before and you don't have any like serious digestive problems, I would start with just the 15 billion because it is pretty potent because the other thing with their probiotic, they guarantee potency, which means what's printed on the label is they actually put, so the 15 billion one, they will put more than 15 billion into that capsule. So by the time it expires, it still has 15 billion. Mm. So guaranteed potency is pretty important because you know, a lot of these probiotics from brands that are not reputable or good, you don't even know if you have any live bacteria in there. That's the thing. Like I've, I've read this debate. So like from so many different sources, which is like, okay, like how do you pick the right kind of probiotic and make sure that the, the strains are actually like still there, you know? So it's, it's great that genuine health is like actually, you know, they've, they've done the research and they're yes. actually providing like a quality product for so. sure. And the other thing is, you know, if you have more specific, say you have IBS or you have, um, you know, you suffer from anxiety, you know, there's, that's why it's worthwhile to talk to a natural healthcare practitioner at a store, because there can be certain strains that are, that are more beneficial for you. 
Love it. So I wanted to move on to like more um, like diets, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. Um, so I know you've shared like a few keto recipes on your blog. Yeah. So for people who are interested in a keto diet, how do you explain it? Yeah, I love, by the way, I love talking about diets. Yeah. <laughs> because even though I have keto recipes, I'm actually very anti-diet. Yes. And um, so, yeah, yeah. So keto can be very, so let's just describe what it is. So keto is like very low carb and higher fat. So it depends, you know, there's different ranges of keto diets that people can do. Um, and it just depends what kind of diet you want to do, how low you want to get the carbs. But the simple, simplest way to describe it is it's super low carb and very high fat. Um, and people do get results from it, but it's very, very hard, um, I think to maintain. So that's why I consider the ketogenic diet to be a therapeutic diet. If you have epilepsy, if you have certain types of brain cancer, if you are obese, um, then I would recommend the ketogenic diet, but I, I wouldn't recommend it to you. I, I don't do the ketogenic diet, but then again, I eat foods that you could um, deem as being keto friendly because I do eat lots of healthy fats. So some of the recipes on the blog, like the, the keto coconut squares, um, let's just be honest. I call them keto because it helps people find the recipe. Right. But at the end of the day, I think it can be part of a healthier diet, but I don't recommend it for everyone. Cause I don't, I just don't think that it's necessary. And we also don't know as well. There's a uh, research happening right now of what that kind of diet does to your microbiome. So it'd be kind of interesting to see, like, we don't really know is this good is it bad for your microbiome so that's the the ketogenic diet in a nutshell I think personally like I'm I'm with you I don't really subscribe to anything that's so extreme like I mm -hmm. love my healthy fats and I like my my diet is heavy in fats like over other um like like proteins and carbs yeah. for example because that's just how I feel the most comfortable but I cannot even imagine cutting my carbs down to the point of like yeah 20 net yeah. carbs or whatever it is you're doing it's, it's very very low it's insane like it's, it's yeah i don't even know how it's possible you yeah know? like <laughs> even if like vegetables are your only source yeah. like it's very difficult so. yeah yeah because even like well fruits on a keto diet most fruits are totally off limits oh totally yeah. totally and like i i mean i think that there's this like a lot of people you know a lot of sources say like fruits are bad for you and i'm just so anti that because i'm like at like moderation yeah you know? like it's true it's yeah so any diet that just cuts it out completely I'm like no yeah <laughs> unless you know you're working with a practitioner who's helping you with a specific, mm -hmm. specific health issue absolutely keto I think can be a, beneficial exactly but like I think it's different if you have a health issue that yes. you're trying to combat like as you're saying that like in a therapeutic manner I think it's excellent you know it definitely yeah. has its perks but for a regular human being to cut no. out carbs to that extent like I don't know how no. it's sustainable so another thing I've been seeing is the low FODMAP oh, diet yeah. yep. um so let's get into exactly what that is yeah so the low FODMAP I so I don't recommend anyone just go out and do a low FODMAP diet unless you're working with a practitioner so there's certain types of foods that can cause um I'm just I gotta think how to explain this without it being you may have to edit this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of how to explain it without it be confusing. So I have to remember what the, so it's fructo oligo disaccharide, um, monosaccharide. I can't remember the A and the P. I want to think of like an um, easy way to explain it so that it's, because um, there's certain types of carbs that cause a reaction um, in your gut and cause like a lot of gas and bloating. 
Do you think that's in like an easy? Does that yeah. make sense? Because yeah, I can't remember what the acronym is. No, 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 no. That's fine. I, I just <laughs> should know this. FODMAP like, for dummies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's do this again. Okay. So to break it down in like the simplest terms, there are certain types of foods that follow into, fall into the FODMAP category that when you eat them, like onions are a perfect example. When you eat them, it causes a lot of gas and a lot of uh, bloating because they can be reacting with the, with the bacteria that's within your gut. So people who have certain inflammatory bowel disorders, um, IBS, uh, all different types of bowel problems and digestive problems can benefit from doing low FODMAP. So the easiest way to do what I in the past did with clients was I gave them a chart like here are all the high FODMAP foods, here are the neutral foods, and here are all the low FODMAP foods. The thing with the FODMAP diet is you have to just try it um, to see if it makes any difference. So for me personally, Onions are very high FODMAP food. When I eat onions, if I eat a raw onion, and this actually only started earlier this year, I get a lot of gas and a lot of bloating and it's very uncomfortable. So I know that that is a high FODMAP food. So I cut that out. Then there was a time when blueberries were really bothering me. If I ate, you know, like two handfuls of blueberries, that would be the same. So I think with the FODMAP diet, the best thing to do is to just Google the list. There's so many, there's, there's actually a really, really great app. I can't think of the name of it right now, but there's a really good app you can download on your phone that tells you the list of all the FODMAP foods. Now that particular diet, I would only recommend someone try if they actually have digestive problems. If you have digestive issues and you've tried a lot of other things you've cut out sugar you've you know made other changes to your diet to take out processed foods you've tried probiotics if you're still really suffering then trying a low FODMAP diet can be beneficial it doesn't mean you can never eat FODMAP foods foods again uh it just means that you know just see you got to just try it's like trial and error it's like with any diet you know try it see how your body responds and then make subtle tweaks to your diet but you don't have to live on it Absolutely. Okay. So what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Oh, I actually like intermittent fasting. I don't do it myself because I don't like it for myself, but I think um, there is some good research on intermittent fasting, particularly um, for people uh, who are trying to lose weight, um, for blood sugar control as well, um, for people who also have digestive issues. So, and there's a diff, there's different approaches to intermittent fasting as well. You know, it could be that you don't eat anything from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. You have like a 12 hour window. If some, if someone listening to this has never tried IF before, then I would just, I would start out trying that and just see how your body, um, your body responds. Cause I do think it's a good idea to take a good break from food to allow your body to fast. Uh, so, you know, if you do that already and that's just something you normally do, then I would try and go a little bit longer. So, you know, you have your last meal at, at 6.37, you don't eat past 8 um, p.m. and then say you don't eat until lunch. But you really have to listen to your body because it doesn't work for everybody. Like for me personally, that does not work for me because I find I just don't have enough energy in the morning. It just doesn't make me thrive. But I do find that like a 12-hour window can be really, really great. So I do recommend everyone try intermittent fasting unless obviously your doctor, you know, diabetics should not be doing that. Um, there's obviously certain people that should not do intermittent fasting. But if you're working with a practitioner, um, then, you know, you could, you could definitely try it. Or if you're an otherwise healthy person, I think trying it is, uh, is worthwhile. 
I love it. People have been fasting for centuries yeah. too, right? Oh yeah. For religious definitely. reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, not eating for an entire day. Now, again, um, I think you really just need to be aware of your own body and your own health. Totally. I think figuring out what works for you, but you're so right. Like people have been doing it for centuries yeah. and centuries and like, uh, like I do it, I do it every day and I, I oh, yeah, 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 like I'm intermittent fasting right now. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I love it. Like, I think it's it. I I feel my best when I give my digestive system that break to like do its job before kind of gorging down food. And I was in Europe with my family just like two days Mm. ago. And like over there, it was just not possible to intermittent fast. And I felt a difference. I was like constantly like full. Yeah. Whereas like when I'm intermittent fasting, I'm just like really comfortable. So totally. And it's good to allow yourself to get hungry. Mm-hmm. I think that's yes. one of the most, even if you're not practicing fasting, I think it's really important that before every meal, you actually feel that sensation of hunger. Cause I think a lot of people have like lost that connection with their body and don't actually know when they're hungry because they're just like snacking all totally. day. And you really don't want to do that. Like you want to have chunks of breaks in between eating um, and you figure out what is best for you. You know, I don't subscribe to the notion that, oh, you should be eating every two hours. Maybe if you're a bodybuilder, okay, it makes sense then. But for the average person eating every two to three hours, I actually really don't recommend that. You want to have longer breaks. And when it comes to your next main meal, you actually want to feel really hungry. Yeah. And you'll have, because when you feel hungry, you will have so, your digestion is stronger. You have better hydrochloric acid. You have better concentration of enzymes to break down your food and you'll break down your food better. You'll be far less likely to be bloated. Like I feel like bloating and hunger almost don't even go together. Like who is ever bloated when they're really, really hungry? It usually never happens. It's like when you wake up first thing in the morning, your tummy feels like fairly flat because you haven't had food for several hours and you have a strong digestive fire and you eat and and you feel good. People tend to get progressively bloated as the day goes on. Um, And that can often just be because they're like eating even little bits just too often. Such, such a good (laughs) tip because it's true. Like I think that there's, you know, like this whole concept of like grazing throughout the day came up and I just I feel like even for me like when I graze throughout the day I do feel more bloated and yeah whereas like for me like what works best for me and it might be different for everyone yeah. but I like having solid like big solid meals and feeling hungry when I'm eating as me opposed too. to just like grazing all day long like it just doesn't work for me so yeah really good tip about how like your digestive system is actually stronger when it's hungry yeah I think it's awesome and if you don't feel that way before a meal and you're not grazing all day doing drinking lemon and water before a meal or doing like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar and water or doing a digestive bitter those are all three ways to help to strengthen your digestive fire um if if you don't feel that sensation of hunger or if you're bloated, um, all those are really, really great sort of little hacks to prevent being bloated. Yeah. Great hacks. My goodness. <laughs> so tell me about a day in your life in terms of food, like take me through morning tonight. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll tell you what I ate this morning. Yeah. So I made it really good. Um, and this actually isn't the typical morning, but whatever it was this morning, I made a really good carrot, uh, carrot cake loaf, mm. but it's not, even though it seems like a dessert it's actually like packed with walnuts and carrots and pumpkin seeds. And I like slathered like a ton of coconut kefir on it. Okay. I'm, I'm drilling. Can I find this recipe <laughs> on your blog? Yeah, It's like- going to come out in like a few weeks. 
um everyone's so waiting maybe, for it <laughs> yeah maybe by the time this podcast is out it'll be on the blog so i had that i had some prunes i know it's so random but i actually really love prunes they're so high in antioxidants and they're really good for your digestive health my mom loves it too she's yeah. like you should be eating prunes i love prunes <laughs> i give them to my daughter too so i had prunes i had the carrot cake loaf i had some fruit and i had like a huge glass of water uh and my supplements so that was my breakfast that was today. What supplements do you take? Okay, so I take a vitamin D. I take my probiotics, and some some things change up. Um, I take a fish oil, and right now, because I'm as we talked about earlier, I'm combating a bit of rosacea myself. So I take astaxanthin, um, which is a really potent antioxidant, and I take quercetin, which is a bioflavonoid, what great for reducing um, histamine in the body. And histamine can cause, that's what causes allergic reactions. So I'm sensitive to histamine high foods. So like wine, wine will give me, make my cheeks go so red. And it's actually the histamine. So I'm taking quercetin for that. Wow. Any, Hopefully I didn't miss anything. But I like change stuff up all the time. What brand of quercetin do you use? Um, AOR. Okay. So you'd get that from the health food store. Got it. Okay, cool. And I also take a little tincture for my hormones too. And like, is that, that's by St. Francis and it tastes disgusting, but tinctures are never fun. Yeah. They're never delicious. You know, it's just chase berry, which is really good for hormonal balance. I use chase berry. Okay. Yeah. So you know what that is. Yes. It can take about three months till you notice a difference, but, um, I've noticed a difference. Yeah. 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 I, I, I found that it's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Chase um, berry is awesome. It is. It is. Um, so you, that's breakfast and then. Yes. Oh yeah. So lunch is, um, Lunch is typical. I always have like a nice big salad. What did I have yesterday? My God, I can't even remember. I need more fish oil, clearly. <laughs> um, but this week, one of my um, lunches was I had some falafels um, that I actually bought from the local health food store with like a nice big beautiful salad. Um, and we eat a lot of fish. So at night, um, in the evening for dinners, um, we had actually last night we had trout with a nice big salad. Um, and some sweet potato and we had a little like leftover galette that we bought at the farmer's market the other day so we had that that sounds delicious but we always do like proteins like I eat animal foods we always do proteins with plant foods so if it's not fish we might have lamb um, or chicken we eat a lot of fish so I'd say we eat fish probably three times per week um, always with like vegetables the sides are always vegetables my daughter isn't as because she's only four she's not as into like salads so I always like you know steam some broccoli for her make sure she has like all her veggies as well love it so what are some of your favorite superfoods uh, my favorite superfoods I would say turmeric is one so whenever I make smoothies I like adding um, turmeric root to it like I'll just toss the whole root in um, or I make turmeric ginger lattes which are so good I do this more sort of in the fall why Tur why do you like turmeric oh because it's so anti-inflammatory turmeric is the most studied food in in science it really is the most studied food I think there's like 12,000 studies on PubMed or something Wow. Yeah. So even though it is like an ancient food, um, modern medicine has really like researched it to death um, for detoxification, super high in antioxidants, very anti-inflammatory. It's so good. Turmeric's amazing. I like matcha. So matcha is very high in antioxidants, but really energizing because I'm not a coffee drinker. So matcha is basically green tea leaves are ground into a powder and then you can, um, you whisk it with some hot water and then add it to some like 
steamed coconut milk or almond milk or whatever milk you drink and definitely put in some honey or something because it's very bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I like a lot of local superfoods like blueberries. I buy blueberries almost all throughout the year. So in the winter, I just buy organic blueberries frozen yep. for my smoothies and to mix in like porridge or um, granola. So blueberries, strawberries. I love kale. We always have leafy greens in the house because we love our salads. So like I switch it up all the time. I love radicchio. Um, Foods, plant foods that are very bitter are generally really, really high in phytonutrients and phytonutrients have like hundreds of benefits for our body. So I like foods that are bitter. And also I think a lot of people crave coffee because they're actually missing the bitter taste in their diet. So if I'm making a salad with radicchio, for example, I'll put definitely put in some dates because it helps to balance out that bitterness um what are others oh my god there's so many superfoods anything that's like brightly colored um so like apples are an incredible superfood so actually very a natural source of quercetin which is great for allergies love it always uh eat the peel um ginger again very anti-inflammatory like turmeric they're from the same family Mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense goji berries I could just keep going on. And yeah, on. there's a, this is a big <laughs> list. A oh, my gosh. So guys, you guys know what to get when you're grocery shopping. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> okay, so changing directions a little bit from food to holistic well-being. So tell me about your Joyous Health product line. How did you yeah. get into that? Yeah, so back in like 2012, I started making my own lip balms and my own sunblocks. And uh, I I realized that I was like ruining every pot with beeswax in my home. And I'm like, I really don't want to make this, but I want to sell this to the community because people want like green beauty products. So then I found someone who could make it for me. And uh, I started selling the first products I had were I had a natural toothpaste, a natural deodorant and a body butter. And I still have the natural deodorant and the body butter today. The body butter is one of my best selling products. Uh, and the reason I did that was because I've just always loved natural beauty. And I, in my own healing journey, one of the big changes that I made was I got all of the conventional products, beauty products from, you know, lipstick to face moisturizer. I, I got rid of all that because there's a lot of chemicals in those um, products that disrupt your hormones and actually mimic estrogen in your body so I'm like I have to get rid of all the hormone disruptors so that was one of the big reasons that really inspired me to create my own line of different kinds of products because I I know that people trusted what I advise and I wouldn't sell anything I don't use on my own body and they've evolved over the years so I no longer have the toothpaste we want to just really focus on what we know does really well because it's expensive when you're a small business you know so many people have been upset we don't have the toothpaste anymore but you can still make it yourself. It's like really easy to make. And then we've expanded into hair care as well, which I really love. Um, and we'll continue to expand the line as the years go by. I love it. And I think that the like education about the concept of like xenoestrogens, like people need yes. to know more yeah, about it. They it's, do. Like even for me, like I refuse to <clears> use <throat> any like non-clean cleaning products good that's great it's like i because i've done like a lot of research on it myself and it it kind of shocked me like how much there is of these chemicals that sort of mimic estrogens and are so bad for our hormones so exactly i think it's great that you came up with a line that sort of addresses that i think it's awesome yeah and the other thing is like the cosmetic industry is largely as you probably know unregulated yes 
So there are so many chemicals in conventional products that are just not safe. And, and, you know, a company might argue, well, it's a microscopic amount. Well, how many products do you use on your body and how many products are you exposed to on your, in your home on a daily basis? And there's a dangerous cumulative effect. Totally. So it's really important. I'm glad you brought up the like household cleaners because that is 100% something that people need to change and over. And it's like an easy thing, right? Like yeah. it's an easy thing to sub out. Like, and there's so many like amazing household cleaning totally. brands that are like doing like they're, they're clean. Like I, what, what do I use? I have like the bottles there. I'll like, I'll link it in the show notes, but like <laughs> I love, love, love the brand that I use. Okay. So last question that I have for you is all about joyous you can you tell me about it yeah so joyous you is just um sort of an arm of joyous health of the business and if you go to my website and you go to joyous you this is where you we have all of our educational products so all of the ebooks that i've written for example i have an eczema healing guide i have you know ebooks for mamas who've just had babies and then our biggest program that we have is the joyous health business program that we run once per year and that's a 12-week online program um, to teach people how to create a thriving, profitable, successful business. So that's sort of all under Joyous You. And we created that because so much of what we do at Joyous Health and the mission from day one has been to inspire people to live healthier, happier lives. But how do we do that? We have to educate them. So that's been a huge component of um, Joyous Health of the business is educating people. And that's what Joyous You, that arm of the business is all about, providing people with all the t- all the tools. So I'll just keep adding to those um because I just love writing and I love creating so we'll continue to add to that I love it I love it okay so before we wrap tell everyone where they can find you yeah so I'm on Instagram at joyous health which which is j-o-y-o-u-s health um my website is joyoushealth.com I have a podcast as well called the joyous health podcast and we start up again in September and yeah that's where you can find me amazing thank you so much thank you Wait, do you want to receive a short email from me with exclusive content every week? Sign up to the Icing and Glitter newsletter and I'll send you my top five skincare secrets along with a weekly email with bite-sized tips and tricks, giveaways, recipes, and so much more. I'll leave the details in the show notes.